0: It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at Sleepy underscore pregame. Joined here by the NFL expert, Uncle Dave. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Dave underscore Essler. And also joined by Avoid the Big, Steve Reader. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Avoid the Big. And you can find us all at the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL Week 1, Uncle Dave. And Steve, we're going to go ahead. We're going to break down six key matchups for you guys today. If you guys haven't met Steve yet on Twitter, make sure you guys go ahead and do that. As soon as I sat down and actually got a chance to talk to him, I realized how sharp he was. So I figured, why not get him on a podcast with myself and Uncle Dave, break down some of the key games that we wanted to go ahead and talk about and get that information out to you guys. And I feel like we'll we'll probably have a pretty good deep dive podcast here. And you guys won't be overloaded with, you know, 16 games with all these picks and all that stuff like that. We can kind of drill down uh, a little bit deeper into some of the games. And the first game I want to talk about here is the Eagles and Atlanta right now on pregame.com Game Center. Atlanta Falcons are favored in this game. Falcons minus three over and under total is set at 48, 48 and a half. Uncle Dave, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to start out with you. Eagles at Atlanta. What are your thoughts for this game?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't know that I don't know that they lead anywhere. I mean, everybody when this line came out just was all over the Falcons, and you know you got two first-year head coaches, Serrani and Smith, and and two defenses that struggled mightily last year, and neither one of them won a game in the preseason. So you know what do you do with it? You know I guess you can look back at last year and see what's changed, and obviously Atlanta added Kyle Pitts, who who I do love. I, I think I bet him a while back to be offensive rookie of the year. I look at Matt Ryan, you know, the guy was sacked 41 times last year uh, and more than 41 each in the last two years prior to that, you know, he's 36 coming off his two worst seasons in terms of QBR. So, you know, is his regression, the lack of weapons, the offensive line, his age or all three, I tend to think it's all three. Uh, So I didn't know that I could get behind Atlanta who seemed to be the early betting darlings and Philly, you know, I, I love Hertz's upside, his mobility. And the thing I really like it, unlike last year, this year they have a designated QB1. Obviously, they were all over the map last year. The Eagles on the ground last year, leading rushing 539 yards. Uh, so that has to get better. And then you add a healthy Rieger, a healthy Hurts. They add Devonta Smith. I mean, that has to improve. Their big thing last year was they were 28th in third down conversion percentage offensively, which, as most know, sucks. And again, Everybody seemed to like the Falcons and the over. And, and I can't get behind Atlanta, not until they change the culture of that team. And, and Smith might do that, but I have to see it before I can bet on it. Uh, I don't like, I didn't like laying three and a half. It's been bought back to three. Uh, I still don't like it. So for me, uh, given that both teams either made significant offensive upgrades or are healthy again, I can get behind the over in this game, Sleepy.
0: You know, Uncle Dave, I think you brought up a pretty good point. And I mentioned this yesterday on the podcast with myself and Mackenzie Rivers, is in order for me to do anything with Dallas, I have to see what Dak Prescott can do. And you kind of, you know, mentioned that, you know, with Atlanta and, and, you know, in regards to Philadelphia as well, that you kind of have to see what these teams could do. And I felt like when I looked over a lot of the games for week one, that there were a lot of teams that I kind of just had to see them first and, and see what they're all about. And and what the quarterbacks are all about and what the new coaches and the offenses look like. Um, I have a feeling like I'm going to have a limited kind of card this particular week. I do have two bets for this game, but they're both player props and I feel pretty good about them. Let's throw it over to Steve here. Eagles at Atlanta there, Steve, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this matchup on the week one card?
2: I think the first thing that's uh, kind of crazy for the first time in 10 years, Julio Jones is not going to be in a Falcon Jersey. And, Frankly, I don't think it really matters. I mean, Calvin Ridley was the number one option last year, and I'd argue a healthy Kyle Pitts may be better than Jones was just because of the fact he'll be on the field. So I think that is actually an improvement for the Falcons, despite what uh, public perception may be on that. Philadelphia could be in trouble against Matt Ryan and the receivers he has there. Philadelphia ranked 28th in pass defense and 26th in yards per attempt. Uh, It's possible that Darius Slay returns to form and maybe the acquisition of Anthony uh, Harris from the Vikings makes a difference. Uh, I'm not betting on it. But where I think the game really teeters here is the Eagles do thrive in their front four. They ranked third in sacks and fourth in pressure, and they added Ryan Kerrigan. Elena, on the flip side, lost their guard and their center in that position group, which was middle of the pack last year. If the Eagles want to win the game, they're going to have to take advantage of that mismatch. On offense, I don't know if anyone's really excited about Jalen Hurts. Is he going to be able to do any damage with his arms or his legs or probably some combination? Atlanta can be had via the pass game. They finished 27th in pass defense and 32nd in yards per game. But again, Jalen Hurts is the one that's going to be throwing the ball. There's two new safeties in, in the secondary. Uh, maybe A.J. Terrell turns around. But... I just don't know if Jalen Hurts can can make the difference to to cover that spread, to cover those three points or three and a half, depending on where you're getting it right now. Um, but I think both defenses are primed to be exploited. I, I played over 47. I would play over 48. I'm with uh, Dave on this one. As far as player props, I do have overs on Pitts and Ridley for the reasons I just mentioned. And, and if they can protect Matt Ryan, I would imagine that those uh, bets should cash pretty easily.
0: You know, when I – Sat and I thought about Atlanta. I'm like, I don't know if the defense really upgraded a whole lot. And then I look at Philly's defense, and you make a good point there with their defensive line. They're just a tough team to go ahead and run against. And they, that's really been, you know, the strength of that team over the last couple of years. And I look at the Philly offense. I'm like, okay, you know, they have Rager, the new guy in Smith. They still have Goddard. They have Ertz. They have Miles Sanders in the backfield. I'm like, that's not a bad offense. But I think the problem for Hertz is. He didn't have a whole hell of a lot of exposure to going ahead and playing with those guys. He was throwing the balls to Ward and and Travis Fulgham and guys like that. And, you know, coming out of the backfield, it was Boston Scott and and guys like that. So I wonder if that Philly offense is going to be able to get going. And on the other side, you know, I wonder if Atlanta is going to maybe struggle a little bit with Mike Davis in the backfield, new backfield for them and no Julio Jones. I think this is actually setting up for me. Uh, for maybe a first quarter underplay, haven't officially made that play yet, but I do want to go ahead and talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts. I like a prop in this one, and I am going to go ahead. I am going to play Hurts over thirty nine and a half rushing yards, and a lot of it has to do with you know the new weapons that he has now. The Philly offensive line, I think there will be a pretty good upgrade with them. They're going to be healthy this year. Last year they were just absolutely decimated. I think that that made all the quarterbacks look bad. Now, I think there were a lot of negatives that surrounded you know, went, and a lot of it was because of, you know, that offensive line. But I think getting Rager back and Smith back, I think getting Rager back and now you add Smith into the into the mold, uh, Ertz missed time last year, Sanders missed time last year. And I think it takes time for Hertz to go ahead and kind of just get his feet under him with these, you know, let's just say, new weapons. Maybe potentially there's busted plays that don't work out And I'm sure there's going to be some scripted runs for him as well. But I have a feeling like there's going to be some plays where, you know, guys are running wrong routes and this, that, and the other, and the pressure is getting through and Hurts has to eventually run. Now, if you go back to last year, I want to say he probably averaged somewhere around 68 or 69 rushing yards per game. So at 39, maybe they're looking at it like, well, he doesn't have to run a whole hell of a lot this year, and then you could look through the preseason. But again, it's preseason. There's limited snaps there, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Jalen Hurts over to 39 and a half rushing yards. I like that, and I also have a play on an Atlanta player, and I think he's probably going to be pretty underrated this year, and that's Russell Gage. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play him over 52 and a half receiving yards, and my reasoning for this one's rather simple. We know Ridley's good. I took him in my most recent fantasy draft. He's going off the board, maybe like third, fourth wide receiver. Um, That dude's electric. He is very, very good. One of the issues is he's probably going to end up matched up with Darius Slay. There's a good chance he might be double covered or shadowed. And I think that's going to leave Gage in the slot. And more than likely, he's going to be matched up against the Eagles slot corner in Maddox, who... I believe if you go through some of the stats last year, he was rated as like the worst slot cornerback in the league. I just remember watching him, and he was getting burnt left and right. So I feel like, you know, Gage probably has a pretty big game here, and I'm not sure about Kyle Pitts as of yet. Uh, It's game one. Will Ryan find him in game one? I'm not sure, but he does have a pretty good rapport, you know, with Russell Gage. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to go ahead and play Russell Gage over his receiving yards of 52 and a half. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got Uncle Dave's New England Patriots. Uh, he's going to go ahead. They're going to play Miami. Miami's on the road here at New England. Uh, line right now for this one has the Patriots' favorite here at home. Most of the shops right now, Patriots minus two and a half. Uh, there are a couple shops out there that have the Patriots minus three. Total pretty much in line here across the board at 43 and a half. I do see a couple 44 and a half out there. Steve, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw it to you. And we'll save it for Uncle Dave with his team, the Patriots. But how are you looking at this Miami-New England game?
2: Yeah, Bill Belichick does everything with the end game in mind. Uh, He clearly thinks that either Jones is giving the Patriots a better shot at winning the Super Bowl this year or clearly for years to come there was a dearth of weapons last year at the wide receiver group. Uh, they added John U. Smith, Nelson Al-Galar, uh Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. So there's new weapons there. And I don't think anybody individually moves the needle too much, but I think the collection of, of those receivers should help Jones in this offense. Um, and, and they face a Miami defense that ranked sixth last year and only got better in the offseason by uh, drafting Jalen Phillips and uh, Jeff on Holland in the draft. I would think New England would try to take some of the pressure off of Jones. Maybe they start running the ball first, relying on that defense. The defense itself had some issues last year. And I'm sure Dave's going to talk more about this uh, being more well versed with the Patriots. But they ranked 32nd in pressure rate. They did add Benoit and Judon uh, and the returning Dante Hightower, who opted out last season. That is going to increase. They're going to be better on uh, on the front four right there. Miami also gave the keys permanently to Tua this offseason. There's no more relief pitcher with Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, as he takes his talents over to D.C., away from Miami this time. Parker and Gesicki are are, are very good receivers. Uh, First-round draft pick, Jalen Waddell, has a ton of potential. Uh, the problem I have right now is that it, who's throwing the ball to them? Are, are we really trusting to it in this situation? Uh, he has the off season, and he, there's no one else behind him. He has to succeed at this point. There were some rumors, and I don't know how true they were, but certainly he heard them uh, about trading for different quarterbacks throughout the off season. That's got to get underneath a, a, a new quarterback skin in that respect as well. But ultimately, I expect both teams to uh, take a conservative approach with their young single callers, which I would expect a low-scoring affair. I, I bet under 44 and a half. At 43, I'd be a little bit more hesitant, and I'm actually on uh, for a small play: New England minus two and a half. Um, as far as player props, uh, I Miles Gaskins has hit his over two and a half receptions and over 19 and a half receiving yards nine out of his last 10 games. So I'm heavily invested in those two player props.
0: You know what, I haven't gotten a chance yet to go and look at the player props for this one, but I did go ahead and make a pick on this game, and I'm with you, Steve. I like the under in this one, and I think it's pretty simple. Do you want to put those quarterbacks out there week one in the limelight where they can go out there and make a bunch of mistakes and fail and lose the game? What's going to be the narrative Monday morning? This is probably going to be you know, one of the games that's talked about because everybody's excited to see Mac Jones, to see what Tua looks like, I think they go ahead and they keep this really close to the vest, you know, use the running game, short, quick passes. They're not going to go out there and and try to just open up the playbook and have these guys slinging the ball over the field. And God forbid, you know, they throw a pick six or they throw a bunch of interceptions, maybe scoop and score fumble, some of that nature. I think it's a slow approach. Let's go ahead and get all these new weapons on both sides kind of integrated into the offense. And that's going to take some time. Uh, 44 for me. I'm all right with that. Forty-five and a half, as you said, Steve, that's the number that you got. Very good number there. But I feel like 44 is perfectly fine. I think this one probably struggles to get out of the 30s. I could see maybe one of those, you know, 20 to 16, 21, 17 type games. So uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play the under in that one. Uncle Dave, how are you feeling about the Dolphins and Patriots?
1: Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Patriots winning, if you want my honest opinion. And, you know, I'll get right to it. You know, people are downgrading New England way too much. I mean, last year was a huge outlier. They go from Brady to Cam Newton, uh, and Cam Newton, as Steve said, was zero weapons. I mean, that's just – that's just um, – that's ridiculous. They they lost a ton of defensive stalwarts to free agency, some of whom have actually come back this year, and, and they were the hardest hit by COVID opt-outs last year, and they were still the eighth-best scoring defense in the NFL last year. So, you know, with Hightower back, Juden back, as Steve mentioned – I think New England's going to have a championship-caliber defense, to be honest with you. And I'm working hard not to be a homer. And I do love Mac Jones. I saw most every play he ran at Alabama. The kid had pocket presence that I think three-quarters of the veterans in this league don't have. And admittedly, I had to see what he could do in the NFL without five other first-round draft picks on his offense like he had at Alabama. And I watched most every play of his in the preseason, and he didn't look any different. I mean, he really looks composed. Uh, and that's what I want in a quarterback. You know, so much a quarterback is from the neck up. And, and I just love what they're doing. And, and I'm not down on Miami. In fact, I, I do love Brian Flores. I love their additions the last couple of years. Uh, I'm not sold on Tua. He's one of those guys, like you said, uh, show me. Uh, they're headed in a great direction. I just don't think here this week in this game. You know, and to me, to be able to get New England at home, minus less than a field goal. And remember, the fans are back. And and they're going to have energy and they, and more energy in New England because of, the, I think, what the optimism of what Jones can do. So I looked at that game. And there's no chance I fade Belichick in this game. And it really has nothing to do with, you know, most people know that, that Flores was the defensive coordinator under Belichick and, you know, the whole uh, boss, you know, nobody's beat Belichick when they come back. It really has nothing to do with the whole Obi-Wan, Luke Skywalker thing. I just don't see Miami going in there and winning. And I agree with you guys on the over, full disclosure, Uh, I mean, the under, rather, excuse me, full disclosure, I I did bet it and give it out to my clients at 45 and a half, but, you know, 44, I think is probably still a solid number. So, you know, I I can't get to Miami. I love what they're doing. I just think this is a bad situation for them.
0: It is a tough, you know, ask for Miami to go into Foxborough, especially during week one, where you're going to end up having the crowds back, you're going up against Belichick. And I thought you brought up a good point there, Uncle Dave, the fact that, You know, the Patriots last year, and this is just my personal opinion, but I honestly think that, you know, with how COVID was going and and with Tom Brady out of town, that it was just like, let's just go through the motions and let's just get through this season. A lot of guys sat out due to COVID. It seemed like they kind of just it just seemed like they weren't with it last year. And maybe they were with whatever game plan Belichick had. You know, let's keep guys healthy, let's build up for the next year. But I think, you know, we would all probably agree that the New England Patriots were the most active team throughout the offseason as far as trying to improve their roster. And I believe that that roster is improved and that defense is going to be very good. And I think it was just the, the combination of, oh, my God, they lost Tom Brady. They look who they, they got Cam Newton back there who can't throw a pass. Well, they cut Cam. They got rid of him and they got a young kid in there who is probably going to do much better. You know, I again, and I'm with you, Uncle Dave. I can't find myself getting to Miami in this game, and I am optimistic with New England. I think that there's just, you know, an off season, you know, prior to you know the entire COVID thing with Brady, and then the COVID stuff like that, that really just made them look bad. It was a lot of, you know, media narrative around them that was this, they were just bad. Is Brady better than Belichick? You know, did Belichick need Brady? Da 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 da, and all that kind of stuff like that, and it kind of just, you know, it kind of just stuck. So this is the game where I feel like, you know, New England kind of rallies around the coach. They rally around the quarterback. They have a solid game plan. And I think at home, uh, they might just be too much. And at two and a half, I would certainly go ahead and look in that direction. Uh, So that's Uncle Dave's Patriots there. Let's jump over to Steve. He likes the Giants. He's a Giants man. If you guys listen to our preseason stuff, uh, he gave you, I want to say probably one of the best – handicaps I've ever heard on any of the Betting Predators podcasts. So without further ado, we have the Denver Broncos at the New York Giants. Giants are going to be home underdogs here, Steve. Denver now minus three. 95% of the sports books have Denver at minus three. I do see uh, one, two, minus two and a half out there right now. Five dimes and matchbook Uh, total on this game right now. uh, It's split across the market here, anywhere from 41 and a half. Uh, there are 42s, 42 and a out there right now. But, Steve, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to throw it to you first. The Giants are your team. I'm sure you're excited for Saquon Barkley coming back. But how do you see this game, the fact that the Giants are at home and they're an underdog?
2: I was very excited and optimistic a couple weeks ago. Um, that has kind of made way, especially early in the season, for pessimism, including in this game. Uh, I'm actually, you know, as a Giant fan, I want them to succeed and to win, but my wallet says otherwise. I uh, have a bet Denver on the money line, Denver minus one, uh, and I have no problem calling Denver minus two and a half a best bet here. Uh, if you can get one of those two and a halves, I am just, there's just too much going wrong with the Giants. You know, the biggest thing that we heard going into the offseason was that the Giants need to work on their offensive line. Everybody knew it. The fans knew it, the the media people knew it, the, the talking heads knew it. The Giants themselves, the organization, were optimistic about their offensive line, which ranked 31st in pro football focus and 29th in sacks. They haven't been good in the preseason. There's nothing that suggests they're going to be good. People that they brought in to provide depth and maybe to compete for a starting spot, they had people just leave and retire rather than being with the Giants. So I don't know what that means. But I know that their, their offensive line is not good, which means Daniel Jones can't be good. How could you be good without the protection? You know, they added playmakers. They get Barkley back, and he's obviously trending positive. He's playing in this game, which may have looked like a fleeting possibility previously, but he's playing. Is he on a pitch count? How healthy is he? We don't know. Galladay has been injured uh, basically all of the preseason. So is there any continuity with Jones? Kadarius Tony, one of, one of the beat reporters for the Giants, said he's never seen anything as tumultuous as Kadarius Toney's offseason been in their rookie year. He's been – I, I can not even really understand what's going on with him. But to expect anything out of him week one I, I think is overly optimistic. Um, Denver's defense is really good in areas that the Giants are not. They have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I believe Bradley Chubb is going to play. He's battling some injury concerns. Uh, he was just arrested. I, I – Crazy things going on with Bradley Chubb. But if he plays, I don't know how the Giants protect either one of those people for Daniel Jones. Uh, Denver's rush defense was 29th uh, in yards per carry and 25th in yards per game. It's not good. But can Barkley take advantage of that? Is he ready for that? If he's not, the Giants have no backs that are going to be able to take advantage of it. I I truthfully see it a low-scoring affair. With Ingram most likely going to miss the game, with Barkley just coming back, Tony who knows what to expect, and Galladay with no reps with Jones, and the offensive line in shambles, I bet under 20.5 team total for the Giants. I bet uh, uh, the money line and a minus one for Denver, and I would certainly bet Denver minus 2.5 right now if I had no other exposure. All
0: right, Uncle Dave. So with all that said, Steve's going to go ahead. He's going he's gonna to go ahead and go against his Giants here. I think he makes uh, some some pretty good arguments. How you feeling about that one?
1: Um, you know, this was a game I, I wanted to just completely pass. I'll be I'll be brutally honest with you. I mean, obviously the free world loves the Broncos, and and Steve is now part of the free world. Um, open slight favorites. They're up to minus three, and and some shops are still minus two and a half. So, you know, why isn't that line more, given, the sort of Denver hype, if you will, in the off season? You know, they put up. I mean, in the in the preseason they put up a lot of points, or or, you know piling on the Giants in terms of of negativity, you know, why isn't that line more than minus two and a half, minus three? I mean, maybe it's a gift, uh, but I don't know that I want to go there yet. You know, the upside for the Giants is that they they did have the ninth best scoring defense, Steve. Now, maybe that was part of playing in the NFC East. I don't know. Uh, And all the talk about Jones Judge, and, you know, I, I can't disagree with any of that. But I think their defense is at least capable. But, you know, uh, Denver's been kind of known for defense over the years, but they allowed 28 points per game last year, and and I part of me wondered was that that was a function of playing the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders uh, six times total, and I, I think to some extent, yes, but they gave up 27 of the Panthers, 28 to the Jets, 34 to the Falcons, so it's not entirely strength of schedule. You know, yeah, they draft Sertan, but you know, rookie cornerbacks are rookie cornerbacks, um, and as, as Steve said, they they did get good QB pressure, and then that's a That's a big problem. But then I look at the Giants. You know, Barkley is going to play, but he's not on a full workload. You know, Steve went into the whole Galladay, Canarias, Tony thing. But to me, their offense has to be better than last year. I mean, I didn't say it was elite, but it has to be better. So if I can get 41, I'm actually going to take a flyer on the over uh, because if it plays out to where where Denver – uh, does get a big enough lead and the Giants do have to play catch up, you know, and Jones does have to put the ball in the air, that could lead to touchdowns in one direction or another. So if I'm going to play the under the with Stevens for the first half, if I get 41, uh, I may just take a flyer on that over. I think I think that might have been over-adjusted for sort of public sentiment, if you will, in terms of both the Giants offense and the Bronco defense. So uh, I, I, I'm not going to follow the masses uh, on... Denver, part of me wonders if that's going to be the public disaster of the day, uh, and I'm just going to pass that in total. And, you know, if I pass a winner with the Broncos oh, so well, uh, I, I'm okay with that rather than trying to follow the lemmings over a cliff. Uh, I'm just not going to do it. So first half under uh, and probably over for the game, especially if I can get a an in-game total better than 41. But, you know, 41 is kind of my target. And that's my take on that for somebody that really would prefer to just not even talk about that game.
0: Uncle Dave always got something smart to say. But actually, Uncle Dave, did say a couple smart things in there that kind of triggered some thoughts for me. First thing he said was over-adjustment to the total. I think there's an over-adjustment to the line. I mean, what really positive has come out, you know, with the Giants over probably like the last couple months? It was like, oh, well, Saquon's coming back. And it's like, oh, well, you know, he's not – maybe he's not going to be ready this, that, and the other. And Galladay's hurt. But, you know, this line opened up at Pickham. And it's now up to the Broncos minus three, though it's tough for me to go ahead and lay, you know, points on the road, especially in week one with a home opener. So I'm inclined to probably go ahead and maybe use the Giants in a teaser if I could get them, you know, up to 10, 10 and a half. And I know that the line's at three, but I will say this at some of the fan duels and some of the the DraftKings right now. So for those of you guys who have, you know, the opportunity to play those books. A lot of week one stuff right now is is being given out in teasers uh, as reduced juice. So, I mean, you can find like nine-point teasers at like minus 120. So you may want to take advantage of that if you can't find that. But I think teasing the Giants up is certainly an option. And as far as the total goes there, I would probably be a little bit more in line here with Steve for the game under. And the reason being is – I worry about Bridgewater trying to stretch the field. Everybody's talking about how good, you know, Denver's defense is. And, look, it's going to be pretty good this year. But the Giants have a really good defense, I think. I think they're way underrated. I think that that's the strength of that team. And I also believe this, is that one of the reasons why Daniel Jones probably hasn't had a good offensive line is because he actually can run around. And I think that's one of the issues in the NFL, is that if you have a mobile quarterback that can run around, sometimes they're going to sacrifice something. And a lot of times it's the offensive line. It's like, let's get this guy a running back and some wide receivers and let's get a defense and and a kicker and all these other, you know, nice flashy things to put around the quarterback. But let's not invest into the offensive line because he's able to go ahead and escape. Well, hopefully he can go ahead and do that in this game because I think he'll be under pressure here. And I do believe that they're not going to put him in a position to go ahead and try, you know, firing the ball up uh, with new receivers out there as – you know, as Steve has mentioned, you know, there's been issues with Galladay and Tony and stuff like that. Maybe they try to get Saquon going and maybe Saquon actually shut some people up because uh, I watched him for Penn State. And I think that, you know, one one of the things that happens with guys who get hurt in the beginning of the season, they have the entire year to recuperate and get stronger. And I heard Saquon say, look, I'm not going to play unless I'm 100%. And I love that. But look, he, he didn't get hurt at the end of the year or you know, six weeks into the year, kind of like Dak Prescott, like there were, you know, he's had more time probably than anybody. And after you don't see a guy for a while, you kind of forget about him. Well, I think the the Denver defense and, and a lot of the betters are forgetting, you know, how good Saquon actually is. And I think he comes in this game and probably shuts up a lot of people. I will look for him uh, in the prop market for sure. I like the under in this one, but more than likely the wager I'll make here, is probably teasing up the Giants. I think they're live. I, I think it was an over-adjustment there, Uncle Dave, to go from pick to minus three. And I think a lot of that's just generated from, you know, just the news media just pounding, pounding, pounding on the Broncos. And eventually that number kind of gets out of whack. Um, so, you know, if you can grab plus three, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking, you know, a home dog in week one. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to tease those Giants up. Uh, I like that. Here's a game that I like, too, my Green Bay Packers. It's funny, we all got our teams to talk about. Uh, my Green Bay Packers are going to be on the road here at New Orleans. Now, because of Hurricane Ida that toured through Louisiana, this game actually got moved to Jacksonville, so pretty close to you there, Uncle Dave. The Saints, they will be the home team here, but they're not getting a whole hell of a lot of love as far as their home field advantage. The Packers right now uh, are minus four, four and a half. This one was minus three. So the move from the Superdome over to Jacksonville has cost New Orleans Saints you know, a point and a half point in home field advantage. The total right now sits at 50 uh, pretty much at all of these books. Steve, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to throw it to you first. How are you seeing this Green Bay at New Orleans game?
2: One of the things I really like about NFL teams, especially in week one, is continuity. And I think Green Bay has returned a lot of their their players from last year. Uh, they obviously have Rodgers back. Uh, Their pass catchers are back. Their offensive line, which ranks second, according to PFF, uh, is back with the exception of their center, Corey Lindsley. They have their starting running back and Jones back. Uh, Their defense is pretty much back. Uh, They were 13th, obviously not incredible, but they're back. So for me, there's a lot of answers there. On the other side of the ball, I just have so many questions about the Saints. You know, I. Are they going to ride with Jameis Winston for the entire game? Are they going to switch to Hill on every other play or if he doesn't perform well? Who's going to fill the void with Michael Thomas? Uh, Is the defense going to be able to carry the day? They finished eighth in sacks, second in pressure percentage, fourth in yards per uh, carry and yards per game. I mean, like, they're a very stout defense. So I think that what they're going to try to do is limit the amount of uh, volatility in the game. You know, Which is funny because Winston has that volatility in him, but I think that they're going to try to rely on New Orleans defense more so than trying to sling it all over the field, unless they need to play from behind. If Green Bay gets a big lead, obviously it changes. Uh, I don't see Winston tasting a W after this one, full disclosure. Um, I have looked towards unders on the Green Bay offensive players because of that defense. Uh, but uh, embarrassingly enough, I actually don't have any exposure on the side or total, despite all, all the moves that have, and I, I missed basically everything embarrassingly enough.
0: All right, uncle Dave, how about you? How are you seeing the Packers and Saints game?
1: Yeah, well, this one sucks for me because, uh, anyone that held a good position before the game was moved from new Orleans, cause those tickets are voided. And I was one of those that took the Packers plus three way back when it looked like maybe Rogers wasn't going to be there. So, um, I'm kind of pissed about that. But that move, what does it really mean? You know, it it means that both teams are going to play in ridiculous humidity. And although the Saints are more likely to be affected coming from the dome, you know, the Packers aren't used to that either. And I I think conditioning is going to be a huge factor come the second half. And I think although it's technically a home game for the Saints, it's the Packers who greatly benefit from this move. It's it's only an eight-hour drive from New Orleans to Jacksonville. But I wonder how many Saints fans want to go from an air-conditioned dome to sweltering. And what I do know is that Green Bay has fans everywhere. You know, I remember when I lived in Tampa Bay when the Packers were in the same division as the Bucks, who were terrible. I didn't get a lot of fans, but when Green Bay came to Florida, it was literally eighty percent Packer backers. And I expect that here. And in fact, they've been they've been promoting that around here. You know, you can get your tickets for this game because we do live near here. And you know, and I see all the comments, and I would say about ninety percent of the comments are people uh, that are Packer backers that are going to the game. So I mean, this is really a de facto home game for uh, Green Bay. So uh, I'm going to take the second half conditioning variable out because there's no way really for me to quantify that Uh, and add in the Saints starting the variable that is Jameis Winston. And I'm going to make a best bet on the Packers for the first half. Uh, They just, as Steve said, have more continuity and less question marks. Uh, And I do think they will be the de facto home team. So you can get that minus three for the first half. Uh, and that is my best bet for this podcast. Underline it, stamp it, cash it cash it Monday.
0: You know, Uncle Dave, I'm glad you actually brought up the Green Bay fan base because I was curious, you know, are there a lot of Packer fans in Florida and uh, or Saints fans? And, and you kind of answer that. So um, that makes me feel pretty good, obviously. You know, I hope the Packers go out and win. But I will say this. The New Orleans Saints, for me, are the team that I'm lowest on out of any team in the league. i actually made this bet. Uh, actually, twice. I made it probably about two months ago, and I just made it again last week. The New Orleans Saints to finish with the worst record in the league. Now, I understand that they have to contend against a couple really bad teams. But look, I think, it, I think everything lines up for the Saints to absolutely crumble this season. I don't think Michael Thomas is probably going to play more than a couple games, and I don't believe he's on this team next year. So he, I don't think he even wants anything to do with New Orleans. And you bring in a quarterback like Winston. And look, I don't want to knock on Winston, you know, a whole lot. But he has a track record of turning the ball over. And, you know, players who do that in the NBA, they, they eventually aren't on a roster. But, you know, the quarterback position in the NFL is is a little bit harder to go ahead and replace. But Steve had mentioned, you know, the the Saints defense. And they've lost some key players off that defense. Were they good last year? Yeah, they were really good. They Actually, I will not say they were probably around the fifth best defense in the league. But I actually have them right around the 12th or 13th right now. And a lot of it has to do with their secondary. Uh, Jenkins is out of there. They just recently lost another corner who um, just surprisingly retired. I think they had a linebacker and a defensive lineman that started last year that had also left the team. So I'm not super high on the Saints defense a whole lot. But here's a play I'm going to make, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Alvin Kamara over his four-and-a-half receptions. You can get that on DraftKings right now at minus 155. I would suggest probably waiting because DraftKings actually has player props up for all these games right now, but you will see and probably more than likely find a better line on Alvin Kamara catches. The reason being, I don't think that the Saints are going to go ahead and just let Jameis throw the ball all over the field, they want to get him into some type of a rhythm. And I believe a lot of that and a lot of, you know, the problems that they may have with him holding on to the ball for a little bit too long uh, is going to result in Kamar just getting some quick dump passes out of the backfield. I wouldn't be shocked if Kamar ends up with three or four catches, you know, before halftime. So I think four and a half catches is probably a little bit too low. As I said, on DraftKings right now, it's minus 155. So it's certainly trending towards, you know, five and a half catches, But let's shop around, you know, in the next day or two and find Alvin Kamara four and a half catches. You know, maybe we can get that at like minus 120. I think that's a very good wager. As far as the game is is concerned, you know, I don't want to bet on my team, but I really want to fade the Saints. I just do not believe that this team is going to be very good this year. As I said, I I bet them to be the worst team in the league to at least finish with the worst record. Extremely low on them. And I think that they're one Alvin Kamara injury away from – looking at that offense when you don't have a Michael Thomas out there and you don't have a Kamara and you're relying on guys like, you know, Marquez Calloway. Uh, I don't even know if Smith is healthy completely. And then I think they just cut uh, Latavius Murray. So it's like, who do they have? I mean, you could look at that team offensively if Kamara is not on it and say, boy, they look like they could be one of the worst offensive teams in the league. So. Um, you know, a, a far cry from, from what it was with Drew Brees, but super down on the Saints. I'm not going to bet the Packers here, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make that Alvin Kamara over his reception play. So with all that said, let's jump into our next game here. We have the Cleveland Browns. They'll be on the road at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs right now, Uh looks like they're taking a little bit of money. Chiefs opened up at minus 5.5. This number now at minus 6, uh, pretty much at 75% of the shops. I do see a couple minus six and a halfs out there as well. Total 54 and a half. That's pretty much consensus uh, for this game at pretty much all the sports books. Uncle Dave, I'm going to go ahead and throw it right back to you. Cleveland, Kansas City, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been all over the place with this game. And, you know, six and a half was available for a very long time with the Browns. It won't be come Sunday. Uh, but to me, it's always funny to watch talking heads move lines. You know, if the last couple of weeks, some of the higher profile media outlets have had the Browns in the Super Bowl. And cue the line drop. I mean, there it is. I will admit uh, that that's a lot of points in any NFL game, and Chiefs backers are always going to pay a premium. So I wanted to take the Chiefs because after losing a Super Bowl, I think if there was a time I wanted to pay the premium, it could be here. Uh, What I won't do is tease the Chiefs down, and I won't say that's not a good bet. But I will say that on any given Sunday when the favorite wins, they typically cover, and the dog covers, they typically win. Now, don't misunderstand that statement as one that knocks – closing line value at all because there are those games where the number does matter and the difference between being profitable and not being profitable can be just a few games over the course of the season. So I'm going to step off that platform. Uh, I've said this many times on many podcasts in these marquee games, if you will, I want the better quarterback, the better coach, and the better defense. Sometimes that's what it boils down to. And we know who the better quarterback is. We assume who the better coach is Andy Reid, at least we trust him. Uh, but for me, it's coming down to the better defense. I don't love Dejavian Clowney. As a matter of fact, I don't even like and Clowney. Uh, but uh, I don't like him. I don't like his work. I don't like his attitude. But in his first game as a Brown, he should at least give a shit. Uh, and I think he'll try. Uh, and I've always thought Nick Chubb is probably the best running back in the NFL. So I'm not paying the Chiefs premium. I'm going to take the Browns plus six and a half. And the last thing that's hit me on the scales here tonight was, as you said, there's a few six-and-a-halves everywhere. But at six-and-a-half, it's minus six-and-a-half plus 101. And that's almost like a yellow flag. I mean, if they're going to give you the Chiefs minus any number at plus money, um, they're, they're begging for Browns money, and I'm going to give it to them. So I'm going to take the Browns uh, just so I can be a minority and maybe give out some content that somebody can poke a hole in, like maybe Steve. I don't know. But that's where I'm going.
0: You know, Uncle Dave, I don't, I don't hate the pick. But I'll tell you right now that I'm still scrolling and I'm down to 2006 and I still haven't found a week one win for the Cleveland Browns. And what gives me pause is the last two years with that team for week one. They were blown out by like 30 something against Baltimore last year. And then they were blown out by 30 against Tennessee the year before. And, you know, I'm trying to talk on the podcast now, so I can't dig any deeper, but I've gone all the way down to 2006 and I still haven't found a Cleveland uh, week one win. And on the road, you know, for those week one games, um, it's just it's not pretty. But here's the thing. I agree with a lot of the people that are out there saying that Cleveland is going to make the Super Bowl uh, because I think the same thing. I think Cleveland Browns have a chance to be the best team in the AFC and I know they're probably a little bit salty with you know what what Kansas City has done to them, and if Cleveland was ever going to knock them off, you know it was last year when Mahomes was all messed up. I would be a little bit more inclined to agree with you though, Uncle Dave, to take the six and a half points. I do feel like there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a revenge factor. Like Cleveland, you know there there was a time last year where, you know they were kind of, telling everybody like you know what we're here, you know we're just not this same old crummy. Uh, Cleveland Browns seem that everybody's crapped on over the last couple years, you know, over the last, well, 20 years. But uh, over the last couple years, you know, Cleveland was kind of, you know, getting back into action. I feel like there there is a revenge factor here uh, for them, and I think that that, you know, spans pretty much across every team, you know, in the entire league. Like, they just have a lot to prove. I wonder if the pressure gets to them a little bit. But, you know, there were times last year where Baker Mayfield, in my personal opinion, was asked to throw the football, and he looked like he was quarterbacking for Oklahoma at times where he just put the ball wherever he wanted it and guys were running down the field. And I think a lot of that kind of got lost, um, you know, come like playoff time into the year. But there were a good four or five games in a row where Baker was asked to throw the football, and he's showing up. And I think that – you know, I was really high on him last year, but I really think that this year – Uh, Baker's going to make like a big move, like probably like that Josh Allen type of move where, you know, he went from being this particular quarterback to, you know, being in in that elite level where people were talking about him. But Cleveland just has too many weapons. I mean, on offense, defense, there there really aren't, in my opinion, there aren't any holes on Cleveland. So uh, that's my pick for the Super Bowl. I think they're going to make it there. I don't know if they'll necessarily win it for this game. I would lean that way. Uh, I wonder about Kansas City. Reason being is that we saw what the Buccaneers did to them. If you could take Tyreek Hill out of the game, I think that really helps out your defense. Now Cleveland's defense is going to be very good this year. And if they go ahead and they take the blueprint of, you know, what Belichick did to Tyreek Hill and what the Buccaneers did to Tyreek Hill, I think Cleveland stands a good chance not only to cover this game, but actually go on the road, win and upset. And then we're all talking Monday morning, you know, about the Cleveland Browns and not the Kansas city chiefs. So, that's kind of just my thoughts on that game, roughly. Steve, how are you feeling about the Browns and the Chiefs?
2: Yeah, the longer that I looked at this game, the more I, I kept looking towards Cleveland, to be honest. Uh, I was praying for a seven to pop up. It, I clearly never did. Uh, I was considering six and a half. Uh, obviously, the market's going down to six. But where I, I actually came in on, I actually just took um, Cleveland plus four for the first half. Uh, Cleveland, obviously, they can pass the ball if they need to, but they want to keep the ball on the ground. They have two incredible running backs, uh, they have the best backfield in, in tandem in the NFL. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, are, are they're unquestioned. I can't even think of another running back group that would be rivaling them. Um, so I think that they that's what they want to do. And they have big play potential in both of them. So if Cleveland is going to stay within the number, I think they're going to, you know, especially be able to do it in the first half. I do like the game as well. I might even take six and a half um, for the game as well. But ultimately looking at a lot of the stuff you guys already covered, but, you know, the Kansas City offensive line has kind of been in flux. They, they, they've changed a whole bunch of players. And, and frankly, and I'm not a believer in Jadavion Clowney, I, I don't think he loves football. Uh, he had zero sacks in eight games last year, but he just signs with them. He's got Miles Garrett on the opposite side. If there's any time to make an imprint and try your, your best at anything, I mean, it's certainly in the first game. Uh, and if they're able to get to Patrick Mahomes, we've seen what can happen in that respect. So I think that there is an avenue for Cleveland to upset Casey here, despite it being at home. Um, I, I personally took it with the first uh, plus four in the first half. The other thing that gave me a little bit of pause here, and I, I this is such a square uh, position that I'm even admitting this out loud and certainly on a podcast. Um, Mahomes doesn't look right. I, I I know it's only preseason and maybe your adrenaline's not up, so you're not hitting the mark. Just something doesn't seem right. And maybe it's the offensive line is just not doing exactly what they're supposed to. Maybe he's a little bit lackadaisical because it's preseason and it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm being ridiculous for even admitting this stuff, but it just, something just seems wrong with KC to the point where I I would never play Cleveland, because of that. But in addition to all the other factors that we've mentioned, it kind of, uh, you know, was just a, a, another added um, factor for me. So, Cleveland plus six and a half or Cleveland plus four and a half, four for the first half, I'm all aboard.
0: You know, Steve, you bring up something that actually, you know, triggered a thought in my head. And it goes to, you know, when you think that you're just a shit and you realize that you're not, um, it affects you in a mental way. And Tom Brady could do that to you. And I think, you know, with Patrick Mahomes going, winning the Super Bowl, coming in next year, I mean, he's on commercials. He's, you know, quote, unquote, he's going to challenge Brady to be the GOAT. And he, you know, and look, I'll give him a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a a leeway here. You know, he was banged up at the end of the year. But mentally, when you, you know, are built up to like this, the, the highest pedestal you can be on, and you get dethroned by you know the real goat. I think mentally that that screws you up. And maybe he's worried about you know the offensive line, as you said. Maybe he's worried about you know teams actually understanding you know how he is because I think that he was a you know a quarterback that was kind of just tough to game plan for. And look, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He's he's very good. But uh, maybe mentally um, he's not in that 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 space that he was once in where. You know, he thought he was a shit and pretty much unstoppable and unbeatable. And he was for, you know, a, a long time there. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that's kind of um, what you're seeing because I'm kind of seeing the same thing. Um, so I so I kind of agree with you with that. Now, let's jump over to our final game here on the podcast. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills line on this one right now has the Bills favorite at minus six and a half over and under total on this one. 48, 48 and a half. I'm curious what you guys both think about both of these teams. Uh, I think one's overrated. I think one's underrated. Um, That's just my personal opinion. But, Uncle Dave, I'm going to go ahead and start out with you. Steelers, Bills, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suspect the Bills teased will be one of the biggest liabilities the books have this week. Uh, And while that's always scary for me to be in the majority, I couldn't talk anyone out of it. However, if it were that simple wouldn't you think this number would have hit seven? I mean, books will move numbers to protect teasers or even seven and a half. So a a six point teaser to only get you one and a half or at least a stronger six and a half than it is at some shops. Uh, With that said, if it were seven, you'd expect that the betters playing numbers, they're going to scoff that up fairly quickly. So I think the books are in a little bit of a quandary on this game. And one thing we got to remember when we talked about it uh, in the Patriots game is these games have been played without fans for a year so you know, with fans and energy this season, especially teams, you know, like Buffalo that have big expectations. Um, I think the, the, the home field advantage is probably going to be maybe higher than it has been, uh, especially lately, because it's generally been recognized as much less of a factor than it has been for a couple of decades. So I think early, I think, I think it is going to be a bigger factor, uh, especially for teams that actually have aspirations of, playing it later in January. So, you know, I look, I'm not quite as down on Pittsburgh as most seem to be. You know, I do think Najee Harris can be a difference maker. and you know, Tomlin isn't going to lay down because the pundits say the Steelers suck. Uh, Roethlisberger might not be as effective as he once was, but in, in any one game he's quite capable. Uh, and the Bills' third down defense really left a lot to be desired last year. And then, you know, I wonder in one sense, you know, Josh Allen had a career year, and yes, he's elite, don't get me wrong, but – now he has expectations, and you know these teams that are are suddenly playing with expectations. You know that is a is a different mindset. Uh, and and I remember this is a kid that's two years removed from throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. So you know what I'm really doing here is playing devil's advocate against the conventional thinking. And if you made me, uh, I would take the Steelers plus six and a half. Uh, fortunately, nobody is making me. And full disclosure, I did use the Bills in a teaser but um you know with trepidation because you know especially in week one i think several of these games are going to be what i call pdas uh, pdds which are public disasters of the day now i don't know that that pittsburgh can go in there and beat uh, buffalo maybe they can uh, but there are some of these games this week are not going to go according to hoyle and this has the potential to be one of them
0: <laughs> That's my exact thinking there, Uncle Dave, and and I agree with you. I like Pittsburgh here, uh, plus the points, plus the six and a half. I am going to go ahead. I am going to use them uh, in a teaser as well. So I am probably going to play Pittsburgh plus six and a half for a unit, and then I'll go ahead. I'll jump them up to you know probably like plus thirteen uh, in a teaser. I think Pittsburgh's live. I think they're live to go ahead and win this game. Uh, they played Buffalo last year and they got beat, but that was really you know at the point of the season where the Steelers just unraveled. And look, I think Buffalo's decent. I don't think that they're, you know, the number three team in the league, like some people are saying, or even the number four team um, in the league. I think a lot of the hype around Buffalo, you know, comes from, you know, the fact that, you know, they haven't been heard of for a very long time. And the quarterback that they have right now in Josh Allen um, is very good. and, And that's cool. But the schedule they played last year was just absolutely brutal because the division totally sucked. Go look at the teams that they beat last year that were good football teams. I mean, who did they beat last year that was actually good? I mean, yeah, they beat Seattle, but that was at home. Um, They beat San Francisco, but they were a mess at that time. They beat the Chargers. Um, You know, those are like their three big wins. But besides that, it was beating up on Miami, New England, the Jets, uh, teams like the Cardinals and the Raiders and just teams like that. Like I I think their SOS last year uh, actually had them, uh, a little bit overrated. So I think one of the most overrated teams coming into the league this year is probably the Buffalo Bills. And look, Big Ben was coming off of surgery last year. That team was rolling. Uh what were they? Like 11 and 0 or 12 and 0 or something like that and then things kind of just fell apart with them. But I think a lot of that came down to and we talk about this a lot in the NFL, you need to be able to run the ball, you know, when winter time comes around and the snow games and it's muddy and it's cold and James Conner wasn't the answer. Well, Connor's not with that team anymore. He's gone. And now they have Najee Harris. I think another year of Claypool, another year of Johnson, another year of Juju Smith-Schuster, and another year of Big Ben um, getting himself healthy because he talked about, you know, that he's been eating right, sleeping right, working out a whole hell of a lot better than he has in the past. I think Big Ben realizes, like, if he's going to be in this league for, you know, a couple more years, if that's his desire, he needs to go ahead and stay in shape because eventually – you know, father time ends up catching up with you. So, look, I think Big Ben's going to throw the ball a lot in this particular game. And and as Uncle Dave had mentioned, that third down defense for Buffalo, uh, it wasn't exactly great. And I was put in a lot of positions last year uh, backing Buffalo where I was just praying on third down that they didn't screw up or that they didn't give up that big play. And uh, more often than not, they did. So uh, I'm with you, Uncle Dave. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I like Pittsburgh in this game, plus the six and a half. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to use them in the teaser as well and get them up to, you know, plus 12 and a half, plus 13, maybe 13 and a half. As I had mentioned, some of the books out here are giving you some reduced juice for week one. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. How about you, Steve? How you see on that Steelers and Bills game?
2: There, there are certain games that you're intrigued by, even though you don't have money on Right? So I, I have no opinion on the side. I, I make the power rating uh, game is Buffalo minus seven for me. But I'm not sure there's another game on the card this week that I'm more excited to watch than this. I think we're going to get so many answers at the end of it. Let me explain. Uh, Buffalo offense versus Pittsburgh's defense. Buffalo's offense is more analytics-based, right? They don't run the ball on first and second down that frequently. They have no problem passing the ball all over the field. And when you have Diggs, Davis, Beasley, and now Sanders, I understand why you want to do that. But Pittsburgh's D is up for that challenge. They were number one in pass defense last year, third in yards per game. They have T.J. Watt, which I know is having a contract dispute, but he had 15 sacks last year. Uh, You know, the one question mark in that respect, I guess, is who's going to fill Bud Dupree's spot in that position. Uh, Devin Bush is healthy. He looked fantastic in the limited time that he was playing last year. Uh, But with Buffalo's propensity to pass versus Pittsburgh's number one pass defense, it literally is the true unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Like something's got to give. So I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, last year, when the two met up, though, Stefan Diggs did re- uh, have 10 receptions for 130 yards. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. He he obviously is defense proof. It doesn't matter. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Big Ben, as you mentioned, sleep. So you know, he's looking healthier. He's looking in more shape. Uh, but there was rumors that they wanted to implement more of a vertical passing game. They have uh, Deontay Johnson, Smith-Schuster, Clay Poole. Now, these are, are really good receivers. But here's the big problem again for me, and there's been, I think, three or four teams that we've talked about already on the podcast. They have four new starters to their offensive line, one of which that is returning is changing a position. So how much time is Big Ben going to have behind that offensive line? You know, moving forward as, as the weeks progress here, he, it could produce great dividends, but I don't think week one we're going to see that. I think they're going to try to rely on the run game and Najee Harris uh, I think it's easier for the old line to block the, for the run than the pass. So I think there'll be some uh, more solidification on that front moving forward rather than uh, playing pass defense, uh, pass blocking rather. Uh, Buffalo's defense is solid. You know, they're 10th in PFF, but they ranked fifth against the pass. So everything here is leading me to more of a ground game for Pittsburgh, which is why I took Harris over 14 and a half rushing attempts. Uh, I do think they're going to lean on that rookie running back, Najee Harris, to, to carry the rock a lot. Um, but. Uh, Ultimately, and this is a little disappointing on my end, is I didn't get down on the under early enough. There's been a, a huge move to the under in this game. Uh, if it gets back up to like a 49, if the public comes in and they see the Steelers and their offensive uh, you know, firepower in Buffalo and think that. Uh, I just think it's an interesting matchup for both teams. I, I could certainly be on the under by a kickoff, uh, but unless the public buys back, I'm not going to uh, bet at the current number.
0: All right. A lot of stuff we covered on that particular game, a lot of stuff on this particular podcast. I'm glad we broke this down guys to, you know, just six games. We're going to be just under an hour here. So I think this will be easy listening uh, for our followers. Uh, again, you guys will get us next week. Uncle Dave and I and, and Steve will go ahead. We'll break down like six or seven games for you. We'll deep dive a little bit more. Uh, you guys got our bets there, a bunch of best bets within this podcast and player props as well. So I felt like we pretty much touched everything that we wanted to uh, within this particular podcast. Hopefully you guys do well. Uh, if you guys are looking for player props, fantasy stuff, you guys know where to go over to bettingpredators.com. Our season package is up right now. Uh, if you guys want to follow Uncle Dave, you can do that on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler. If you want to follow Steve, you can do that as well at Avoid AvoidTheVag. And if you guys want to go ahead and follow me, well, you know where to find me at, at SleepyJ underscore pregame sheep's play of the week will probably go up friday saturday night so be on the lookout for that we also have a rapid fire podcast coming out with dan rivera and jay smooth and then chris dell and i we're going to end up previewing the sunday night and the monday night games we'll give you all the player props all the goods for that and we'll release that right next to our money picks pod where chris and i will go through the entire full slate but with that said i would like to wish you guys all the best of luck i hope you kick some butt in nfl week one enjoy the games